This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. We are officially back to the two-for-one sessions. That's right, two-for-one. Where the first part of that two-for-one is six-minute Monday, and the second part of that two-for-one is a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. That's right, we're back. It's 2023. The Tag Team Challenge has started, but we're going to start with six-minute Monday because most people just seem to care about that. All right, so here we go. Go. Tip number one. It is a, a fitness tip. I wouldn't call it an exercise tip, but it is a, a fitness tip or maybe a health tip. And it has to do with the movement of your toes. So the first thing I'll say is get yourself a pair of zero shoes. Uh, it, it's one of the best things you can do to actually strengthen, not only strengthen your feet, but it has the wide toe box so it doesn't cram your toes all the way in. Having said that, I heard some people saying during training this morning, yeah, I can only move toes on one foot, or I can only move a couple of my toes on the other foot. So for me, that has always been a big struggle. But now, because I've been wearing zero shoes, and I've actually stopped wearing toe spacers, I may go back to it, but what I've realized a little bit was that the more I was messing around my feet, the more pain I was in. Meaning, if I'm walking around in zero shoes, that's one thing. Then I was putting toe spacers in, that's another thing. And then I was using bands to exercise my toes, that's another thing. So it was just like too much stuff, and it was just too much stress. Having said that, I've been wearing zero shoes, I stopped using toe spacers, and now miraculously, I actually can not only move all of my toes, but now I can actually see some spaces in between. I used to have the tightest toes on the face of the earth. They were like basically welded together. Anyway, so what's the tip? There's a lot of tips in this one, but the big tip for me is now what I'm doing now that I have the ability to move my toes around is what I do every night for 20 repetitions on each foot. I'm going to say this with respect to my hand first, and then I'll tell you with respect to the foot. So with your hand, just imagine you are opening and closing your hand. Just take your hand, make a fist, open it up like a high five. Close it like a fist, open it up like a high five. I'm doing that with my toes. So I'm actually going to scrunch my toes down, fist. Then I open them up and I spread out my toes like I'm making a, a high five on my foot. All right? So I do that for 20 repetitions on each foot every night. And then I sit there and marvel at the fact that I can actually move my toes again and see spaces in my toes. Uh, and all four, I'd say a lot of it has to do with wearing those zero shoes because now they're not cramped into shoes all day long. Okay, tip number two something I am experimenting with. It's called a free lap, and what it is, it's a, it's a timer. So you set up these two cones, you have a, a GPS disc, you wear it around your waist, you sprint between the two cones, and then those cones, there's a start and a stop, and it tells you how fast you got from point A to point B. So if you run 10 yards, uh, it times how, far it how long it took you to get between point A and point B, and then I have a little calculation that tells me what it is in miles per hour. So that is what I'm experimenting with right now. I'm going to get back to that because something the strangest thing I saw all week happened while we were testing it out earlier this week. Okay, tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about, and this is great. 
great for football coaches in the offseason. It's great for any coach. It's great for people showing up to week one of the Advanced Training Challenge for 2023. And it says, victorious, victorious Warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated Warriors go to war first and then seek to win. I'll say that one again. Victorious Warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated Warriors go to war first and then seek to win. I love that. So if you are a football coach and you're offseason and you are not preparing right now to win, you're done. If you are an athlete who's just showing up on game day hoping everything's right, you're done. Okay, tip number four, something that I am watching that is moving me. It is Alice in Borderland on Netflix. It's a little uh, it's a little rough. It's a little rough. It's a little gory. It's a little tough for some people to watch. But for me, I, I love – it's it's basically like advanced training with dire consequences. So they put people through these physical, these mental, these emotional challenges. But if you lose, uh, you don't just go home and feel bad for yourself. You die. Right, so it's a great show. I, I, for people that aren't about the dying part, you can fast forward past that stuff. But I really do love to see people push themselves emission, uh, uh, emotionally, physically, you know – at the same exact time, with dire consequences. For us, it's in the form of a challenge. For them, it's life or death, but it really is a great show. One of the, the episodes that I just watched, I'm not going to ruin anything for you, but they put all these people in a jail, and every hour on the hour, they have to walk into a solitary confinement cell and say the name of the suit of a picture card that is on the back of their neck. So, you know, king, spades, clubs, hearts. They have to go in and say that. If they're wrong, they die. Now, how can they know what's on the back of their neck? They can't. They have to ask someone else who's also in this challenge with them. And the way this works is there's 26 people. One of those people is a killer. So that person is going around intentionally trying to kill everybody else. So they're going to lie to them. The other 25 people are not the killer. Once the killer is dead, the killer is also part of the game. They have to know what's on their back. Once the killer is dead, the game is over. Or once everybody else is dead, the killer wins. That's the way the game works. Now, the crux of this, if you're thinking through this, you could say, well, why doesn't everybody just tell each other the truth? You could. They said there's enough food and water. You could live there for the rest of your life. If we all just tell each other the truth, that's what's going to happen. The people are going to go crazy because they're sitting in a jail cell. And every hour on the hour, it's not like you're getting any sleep. Every hour on the hour, you have to walk in and say what is on your back. So you have to make alliances. You have to figure out who you can trust. You have to figure out who's screwing with you. Uh, it really is. Then there's every episode, there's something like this. So it's a great show. If you don't like the gore, skip it. But if you like the mind games and the riddles, then do it. Okay, tip number five. This is a productivity tip. And it should be a health tip, but being healthy is going to make you more productive. So I've said this before. I'll say it again. When you tweak something, the best thing you could do, say you uh, tweak your lower back, the best thing you can do is one, don't not Move. Yeah, it's a double negative, but I'm saying it. The best thing you can do is don't not move. Don't say, ah, I tweak my back. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to do nothing. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up the next morning. It's going to hurt even worse. The second best thing you could do, and, and this is in means of moving it, is to keep moving. And then when you stop moving, you want to exercise below, below and above the point of your injury. So I'm going back to my lower back. Um, this is a very specific example. I stupidly tweaked my lower back. Not while deadlifting uh, 400 pounds, by the way. I tweaked my lower back putting my shoe on because I did it in a chair that I shouldn't have done. My lower right side of my back. And I said, oop, I'm going to regret this. So the first thing I did, I immediately went for a walk. I felt the tweak. I immediately went for a walk. Then later on in the day, I worked out. I actually did my full workout, full deadlifts, and I knew that this was going to be bothering me at night. So what did I do? I have like a little 
massage thingy. I don't know what the heck it's actually called. It's like a mat that has these two balls, and they circulate, and they massage you. So while I'm laying down, watch TV with my wife. I massaged my glute that is below my lower back. Then I massaged my lat, which is above my lower back. So I massaged above and below the point that felt tweaked. So again, I massaged my glute, and then I massaged my lat, and boom, I was good. Now I'm telling you, when I was do- before that happened, I was a little banged up. I probably shouldn't have deadlifted as much as I did, but whatever. Uh, the point being is that if you do nothing, you're going to be sore. So I massaged above, I massaged below, and yep, I could have just if you know if you're if you're halfway decent at the stuff, he's like, oh, I'm just gonna massage the point that's hurt. I did that a little bit, but if you massage the point that's hurt, that pain point that came around because something was either too tight above or below the place that you got that you're sore in the first place or you feel tight in the first place. The other thing, this is another tip within this tip, is that if you have an area that is banged up, like I, my lower back was tight, sorry, was tweaked because I overstretched it, and that was from leaning down, what you want to do is also do the exact opposite movement that got you in that position in the first place. So imagine I'm leaning down to put my shoe on. Now I'm extending my back, right? I'm flexing at my hip. Well, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do a glute bridge, the exact opposite. I'm going to now shoot my hips forward and do the exact opposite movement of what got me into that position. So why is it a productivity tip? Because I was able to move around the next day pain-free. I was able to get myself out of that position the next day pain-free, where if someone else, they might be banged up for weeks because they're looking at it in the wrong position. Okay, tip number six, the most strange thing I saw all week. This is actually a two-for-one, and they're both to do with cell phones. The first strange thing that I saw all week was that my wife had a lot of things going on, had a little bit of a cluttered mind. She was doing the laundry, could not find her phone, and guess what? Her phone was in the washing machine, and guess what? It still worked. Right? Insa- complete insanity. Uh, you drop your phone on the floor and it cracks and it breaks. It doesn't work. She put it through, I don't know, five minutes of a, a washing cycle. It's wet and it still worked. So that's amazing. Crazy. Thing number two that has to do with the phone is that while we were testing out the free lap, so this free lap, what I found out and talking to the my tech consultant is that all this, all this GPS stuff is sensitive and I really need to do a full podcast on GPS monitoring or timers or whatever it is, right? So there's no measurement system that's perfect. And that might even link into some of the comments that were made today during a challenge. There's literally no measurement system that's perfect. All you can hope for in your measurement system is that it is repetitive, right? It Maybe it's accurate uh, to an extent, but you just hope that it's consistently accurate in the same way every single time. Maybe it's always off plus or minus uh, a quarter of a pound, but hopefully it's not off plus or minus 10 pounds, right? You want to hope that it's consistent every single time you take that measurement. That's what you're hoping for with your measurement system. And as you use these GPSs, you have to learn all the tricks. When I was using my SPT tracker and experimenting with it, I found out real fast that I could not wear the GPS on it, put it in my pocket. I had to put it on my back. Realizing that it was in my pocket and then talking to the vendor, they explained, yeah, you're going to get variations of like 10 miles an hour if you put it in your pocket because it's bouncing up and down. But when you put it on that space in your back, it's pretty consistent. It's easier for the reading to occur. Well, anyway, get back to the free lap. What they said was you set up the free lap, so that's one cone, the start cone, another cone, the stop cone, and then you're supposed to put your phone five yards past the, the back cone. And what they said to me was also make sure you have nothing else that is Bluetooth enabled around those systems, or it's going to fail. Like, no earbuds, nothing. So we do our sprints. We're done. I'm doing it with Joe Marechko and Piparaji, and I we immediately see that the last two of the four, the six sprints that we did were not registered. So I get home. I 
Pete, Joe, guys, did either of you guys have earbuds in your pocket? Maybe they hooked up to a Bluetooth, maybe they screwed it up. And uh, Baraji said, no, but I had my phone. And I said, no, no, while you were running, yes. He was sprinting with his phone in his pocket, which I think is ludicrous. I feel like when I go out to dinner, I don't even eat with my phone in my pocket because it's just too constricting to my leg. Uh, So he actually did sprint with his phone in his pocket. And apparently he has these new pants where you put it by your top of your hamstring, and he said he didn't feel it at all. So pretty cool, Pete. He uh, he forgot his watch. He wanted to track his steps. So very strange. I called the tech guy, asked him, hey, was this the problem because the guy had his phone? He said the guy was running with his phone. So he, even he was questioning why someone was running with a cell phone on him. Anyway, turns out that was not the case. Turns out that this free lap, you need to put it, take it off the ground. It can't be sitting on a, a Actually, there was not scorched earth. There was a little bit of a dew on the ground. He said, you cannot leave it on the ground. And we, when we moved the free lap the first time, we moved the cell phone right next to it versus five yards beyond it. And he said that could have been the problem too. So we're going to test it out. But Pete, you're pretty much a maniac for running with your cell phone. Okay, now we are done with the six-minute Monday. We're going to go get into the 2023 season, the 2023 Tag Team Challenge. So we kicked it off this week. Uh couple of amazing things that happened before we even started. One, Jimmy Yuski and the screw job. We talked about it last week. We said, Who, what team is he going to be on? Right? So I gave my formal apology. For those of you that don't know, I quote-unquote screwed him over and his team over on Thanksgiving by giving them a penalty for not bringing, for Jimmy Yuski not bringing the Thanksgiving tag team trophy to the event. So he said he's never going to compete again unless I make a formal apology, which I did. I made the formal apology, and we had 10 guys on each team. So we have two teams competing, two teams of 10 in this 2023 Tag Team Challenge. So the question is, what team does Jimmy Yuski go on? Well, the team captains, Joe Moreshko and Piparaji, that's the same guys I was sprinting with, they made an agreement that whoever wins today's Tag Team Challenge gets Jimmy Yuski. A little bit of a foreshadowing here. I Maybe mean, not foreshadowing. I'm just going to skip to some of the punchline. Jimmy Yuski does not show up to today's training. Now, it was an excuse that he told me, but we have this whole situation where I have to make a formal apology. We have two teams competing over him, which makes me sick because he basically, I don't want to say won, but he kind of did what he does and makes it hard for people to get him and then doesn't show up. So, <laughs> uh, damn Yuski. He's, he's played the game well. He's played this Game of Thrones really well. Anyway, they they competed for him. I don't know if every team knew that, but Joe and Pete knew that. So the winner of today's tag team actually now officially has Jimmy Yuski on the team. So let's get, that's thing number one that happened before the season even started, which links back to the quote that I had. Thing number two that happened, which I think is really sick, is that this year we created basically the equivalent of Madden ratings. So they're advanced training ratings. And we rated every guy on a scale of 0 through 99. That's right. On a scale of 0 through 99. And we rated them on mostly things that were extremely tangible to the metrics that we've collected at advanced training. So we have our advanced training PowerPoints. And basically, we rated each guy in the program, again, on a scale of 0 to 99, on where they stood with respect to those ratings. And if you're the top guy in that category, in that specific category, you're a 99. And then I just take a percentage of that. I have a formula where I worked it out. And essentially, using that rating, we were able to give people an overall rating. So they take their categories of grip, throws, pulls, pushes, core, right? Those things were based on our advanced training PowerPoints. They got a a score for each of those. And then each guy got a freak rating. That's right, a freak rating. If you remember, we talked about what a freak is last year. You're fearless, relentless, energized, authentic, and keeper. 
If you want to listen to that podcast, go find it. But essentially, it's a freak rating. It's a rating that I gave. That was based on how active you were with advanced training. Like how many texts were you sending? How much did you talk during a training session? How many soft points did you have? How, what was your attendance like? Those are the things that I added into the freak rating. How many times you quit on a challenge? How many times you complained before or after a challenge, right? Because it wasn't fair or you didn't like the challenge. That's the freak rating. And then all those things combine into an overall rating. And we put them together. Uh, Steve Armato helped me out to make what I think is a pretty cool picture. It's all on the advanced training website. And it's got every single guy's rating of where they rate. It's the the matter rating. Well, now we have an advanced training rating. So then we had that. And then we had Joe Morechko and Peach Baraji do a draft. And they now have a... They use that to help them draft what their team is going to be. And that freak rating is big. It's big because not only everything else shows how good you are, the freak rating shows, is this guy going to show up? I can have a great guy, but he might not show up. I can have a great guy, but he's going to bitch and moan all the time about what the challenge is. I can have a great guy, but he might give up if he had a rough night the night before. So that was part of that freak rating. Anyway, I'm going to not talk too much about that anymore. I'm going to get into what the actual challenge was today. So today's challenge, I wish I had a good name for it. I was thinking of, like, uh, Hand of the King, because for some reason, that's what this thing kind of reminds me of. If you're watching Game of Thrones, Hand of the King has a circle, and it's got, like, a hand going through it. Well, imagine a soccer field with a circle in the middle, and then a line going straight through the entire circle, not only through the diameter of the circle, but from sideline to sideline. So what we did is we had the teams break up into their their respective teams, and it was an eight-leg event. And just I'm trying to imagine this with you right now. Imagine a circle with a giant line going through the entire circle. Not only through the circle, it goes from sideline to sideline. That's what this thing looks like. So you start with a prowler. With, and it was scorched earth, so don't get really crazy about the weight on the prowler. We had 80 pounds on the prowler. You start with the prowler. You get rid of the high handles of the prowler, and you start at one edge of the circle. And you run from one edge of the circle to the other end of the circle. You tag another guy, and he takes it from that end of the circle to the sideline. Then another guy's waiting on the sideline. You tag him. He takes the low handle of that prowler. He brings it back to the circle. The next guy he tags does a half moon around the outside of that circle. When he gets to the other side of that circle, he tags somebody else. That guy brings it to the sideline. The next guy takes it back from the sideline, back to the circle. They do another half moon, and then they bring it back to the original. Back, sorry, back to the sideline. So that's eight lengths. If you have eight guys, each guy needs to go once. Done. All right. So now we have two teams. Baraji's team, which has 10 people, uh, only eight of their guys show up, so he's good. He's got eight guys, and I was thinking this through. Some guys told me they weren't going to come, so I said, okay, eight is the number. That's how many links we're going to have in this thing. So each of his team members get to go one time. The other team is Joe Marechko's team. They have a couple of no-shows. And when I say a couple of no-shows, I mean four no-shows. So 40% of the guys on his team do not show up. And they had already talked about this. When they draft guys, you got to pick the guys that show up. Not only do they have to be good, they have to be guys that can show up. Anyway, four guys on Marechko's team don't show up. So now it's an eight-man event. Sorry, it's an eight-leg event. Two of their guys have to go twice, which is not good because it's hard. The ground is scorched earth. We already went through a workout. Now these two guys have to go twice. And, oh, by the way, if your team loses a challenge, now there is a basically a loser's bracket where individuals are picked from the losing team to go head-to-head and compete again. So it's really tough to figure out who are the two guys that have to go twice. So do you risk it all to win the challenge, or do you leave some of the tank for the individual challenge? So I throw that out there. 
I talk to the guys about it, and now what they start to do, and this is why it links back to Alice in Borderland and why I love advanced training, I just sit back and watch as the teams start to strategize. Who should go where? What guy should do what length? What guy should go twice? How are we going to get the tags? Coming back to me for clarification on the rules. And, uh, man, I love Billy Blanco because he's so exact. He's so precise. Like Even when I gave out one rule, he's like, repeat that again. That's an important bit of information. I need to know exactly what the rules are. So when we're talking through the rules, one of the rules is on that when you're doing that half moon around the circle, no part of that slider can go inside of that circle. We don't want any cheating on that. So if like the we call them, I guess the flanges, if they if it's or the sled, if that goes inside the circle, there's a penalty. Another part of it is when you push the slider. Why I keep saying the slider? It's got to be the prowler. The prowler. When you push the prowler to your next segment, it has to go through the line, full prowler through the line. Okay, got it. And look, there's a lot of room for error here because you're you're messing around with this prowler as we've seen before in past challenges. You push it too. Or pull it back too fast, the handles can fall out. So you really, it's not just a matter of brute strength in this thing. There has to be some precision in the way that you move it so you don't get penalized. So we talk through these things. And again, there's no exact science to this stuff. It's just about uh, being, as ac- being as accurate as you possibly can, but hopefully, more importantly, being as consistent as you possibly can. So the guys that question the rules, the guys that question the fairness, my overall thought in my mind is I need to be consistent. What I give to one, I'll give to another. What I allow for one, I'll allow for another. What I take from one, I take for another. Anyway, the first team that goes is Joe Marechko's team. They only have six guys, and they actually do pretty well. Uh, they nail this thing. I believe it was like 103. But I had attack on penalties. One time, there wasn't like a. They didn't get the thing completely and totally over the line. Uh, actually, it wasn't even close. They didn't just push the prowl to the front of the line. It didn't get all the way through. And then another time. The, the the sled of or the flange, whatever you call the prowler, actually went all the way inside the line. So I, I think I tacked on three seconds to their time. So they ended up getting, finishing it in one minute, six seconds. Point five. So it was 106.5. The next team goes, that's Baraji's team. They have all eight guys. But they get a two-second penalty tacked on right from the beginning because Hezra got a soft point. Hezra showed up late. We said yesterday, who's going to be the first guy to get a soft point? So, Hezra, you did not keep us in suspense. Day one, he shows up late. So, I added two seconds to the time for them getting a soft point. So, Baraji's team in the beginning, I said, okay, look, you guys get to choose which team goes first. They chose, chose Marechko's team. But, because because Hezra's late, you get a two-second penalty. Okay. So, they get a two-second penalty. And also, at one of their lengths... They got the prowler through, but not 100% through. It was like 90% through, so I added another second on to their time. Now, if you took away the penalties from both teams, took away the penalties from both teams, Piparaji's team wins. But I added three seconds of penalties onto Piparaji's team, and they still won. So they got 105.5. And then you hear it from the, from the audience. This isn't fair. Advanced training screw job. Yuski was right. And uh, the bottom line is, yeah, that's... I heard somebody say it. Heavy is the head uh, that wears the crown. So, yes, it's me. It's my rules. I try to be fair. I try to be consistent. And it would just be easier if everybody showed up on time and nobody broke the rules. But those are the rules, and I was really gauging it on my own personal level of fairness, which was calibrated once and authenticated by the National Institute of uh, Calibration and Certifications. I made that up. Anyway, so that team wins, and I think something that you have to think about when you're doing 
these challenges, if you're Pete Baraji's team and you have the choice of going first or second, the thing to always think about is if we go second and we lose, we immediately have to go into an individual challenge, and that's a nightmare, right? So you really have to add that into the factors of do I want to go first or second? If I want to go second, cool, in the tag team challenge, now I get to see the other team go. I get to see what they do. I get to learn from their mistakes. There's absolutely an advantage from that. And maybe sometimes there's an advantage to relax and maybe gain your strength back after the workout. But maybe there's a disadvantage if the ground is starting to dry up, right? Maybe it's, you're not such a scorched earth any, or you get into a scorched earth situation. Or maybe there's a disadvantage, disadvantage if you guys lose and now whoever was chosen has to go head-to-head and they're exhausted in that head-to-head competition. But Baraji seems like his team made the right choice uh, So because they won, they went second, life is good. So now, the way this thing works, Baraji's team, each member of the team who was there that day gets three points. And they get to pick two people from the losing team to go head-to-head. And we said today's going to be a double, quote-unquote, elimination day. So now we're going to pick four people, two sets of two people to go head-to-head. So they're going to pick two matches, two sets of two people to go head-to-head. When you go head-to-head, if you win, you get three points, just like the winning team does. And if you lose, you get one point. But the second time you lose, the second time you go head-to-head with somebody you lose, you can no longer compete head-to-head again. I'll repeat that again because it is a little bit confusing, but it's just the way that we work. The winning team gets three points. The winning team will then pick people to go head-to-head. If you win the head-to-head competition, you get three points. If you lose, you get one point. But you're only allowed to lose two head-to-head sessions before you, until you're never allowed to compete head-to-head again. Now, all these points matter because when we get to the end of the year, we're going to compile these points, and then we're going to put together a Sweet 16-slash-NCAA-style bracket. So if you don't make it into that, the playoffs, you don't have enough points to make it into the playoffs, you're out. And if you have low numbers in the, and you make the playoffs, you still have harder seeds, you might not get a buy. So all, every single one of these points matters. Every challenge matters. Everything matters. So Baraji's team, what they do is they select to go head-to-head first, Joe Marechko and Joe Sardo. Pretty good idea. Take the two guys that are probably ranked highest in that group from past performances, uh, maybe some preseason ratings, put them head-to-head, let them basically kill each other. Wipe, let them wipe each other out. So here's the competition. I would definitely not have that one person do that whole eight-length event again. Nope, the competition is going to be a low handle on the prowler, half moon. So that's a half circle around that mid-circle. And then you're going to hop on these pair of sliders and slide your way about 25 yards back across from where you started. So Joe Marechko goes first, and he just completely and totally kills it. And we've seen this from Marechko every now and again, where he just does things that he didn't think were possible from a guy his size, and he moves extremely fast, and he's gotten ex- so much better at the Prowler uh, since when he first started. He's become one of the best people in the program on the Prowler, and he's cleaned up tremendously his sliders. But he, he got to that beginning of that slider at about 13 seconds, and that's important because every other guy, they finished their half moon. So Shalasi, uh, I'll cut to that in a second, uh, Carol, the other people who did this drill, they got there in about 15, 16 seconds. John, uh, Marisco got there in 13 seconds. He finishes his sliders. Bang! He finishes it in like 22.1 seconds, which is sick. If you remember, I think last year, he did the same thing at a challenge against Wallen and then quit. Like he, <laughs> It's like, I can't do it. I think he didn't even finish the challenge. He was so tired, he didn't finish the challenge. Same guy, finished in 22 seconds. So Sarno goes next. Sarno's a dude. Sarno's an advanced training legend. Uh, and just t- looking at his time, what hurt him is that he took a little longer on that prowler. 
than Marechko did. Actually, a lot longer than Marechko did. It was his first half of the prowler that was slow, and then he picked it up fast at the end, and then he picked up his sliders fast at the end. I think, when I just remember off of memory, I think he hit the part where he got to the sliders at about 18 seconds. And I think it was solely because of how he got out of the gate. I remember thinking, man, this first half of his half moon is slow, but the, when he got to the second half of that half moon, he was back to the old Joe Sardo form uh, where he just put it into a second gear. So he finishes in about 27 seconds. So the winner of that first single, uh, oh, sorry, head-to-head is Joe Marichko. So Joe Marichko now has three points. Joe Sardo's got his first loss. If he loses again, he is no longer to, able to compete in head-to-head challenges, but he does get one point. All right, so I alluded to this before. The second head-to-head, also wisely chosen, was to put Nick Carroll against Joe Shalasi. So Shalasi, he he's just been a dude over and over again. Uh, he keeps getting close, gets close in the challenge, gets close in the tough man. Uh, where the last few years, we're thinking it's going to be his year, so it's smart to put him in. He goes, he gets to the sliders at about 15 seconds, and then he knocks it out, and he finishes in 25 seconds, which is great. I think it was 25.6 seconds around there. Carroll goes, uh, I think Carroll actually went before him, and Carroll also hit it at the sliders at 15 seconds, and he just, sorry, he hit the, hit the sliders at 15 seconds, but his sliders fell off a little bit. He's good at sliders, he's just not as good at sliders at Shalasi, and it took him a while to get there, and he finished in 29.5 seconds. So, the two winners are Joe Marechko and Joe Shalasi. Both of them have three points, both of them have no losses, now they can continue to compete in these head-to-head challenges, and Carroll and... Sarno, they're basically on the hot seat. So if they lose again in head-to-head challenges, they are out. And the risk of that is that the less head-to-head challenges you're in, the less points you're going to be able to accumulate over the course of the year, which puts you at risk not only to make the playoffs, but if you do make the playoffs, to the seeding that you are going to get. So we finish the workout, and then I hear the peanut gallery. Uh, coach wasn't using his free lap while well, he's using the handheld timer again today. Uh, yeah! First of all, I still need to experiment with that free lap before I make sure I know what I'm doing and put it in a formal competition, right? We have to get that bug out of the system. And two, given the drill that we did today, I don't think the free lap would have actually worked. Uh, I think it might have caused a problem. I don't know. I would like to experiment with that as well. But three, what I'm hearing about this free lap is that it's like this circumference around the sensor that may not be an exact science either. Like, it actually reads like 31 or 80 centimeters. Yeah, 81 centimeters around the free lap. So I need to dig into that before I bring it into competition. So for right now, we are relying on my good old stopwatch. Having said this, men, right after the challenge today, I went back and purchased a brand new stopwatch. So a new one's coming in because the one uh, we have, it was... (laughs) Man, this thing is old, but it's like the numbers are fading. Don't worry, the times were accurate, but it, like I had to look at it like four times to make sh- sure I could actually see what the hell was on the stopwatch because the numbers are like very light. Last thing. Nah, I won't go into the last thing. I'll keep you guys in suspense till next week. Having said that, enjoy the rest of your week, people. Uh, I'm glad we're back, and that's it. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. A.K.A. like you're not wearing any shoes. A.K.A. like you are wearing Zero Shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of Zero Shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. 
So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.